Everybody, welcome back to the Beyond the Peloton podcast. I'm Spencer Martin from the Beyond the Peloton newsletter. I'm here as always with Andrew Vance from the Choose the Hard Way podcast. We are going to talk about a few significant events in the world of road cycling that happened this morning. Touch on the existence of Il Lombardia or Giro di Lombardia, if you're old enough to remember when it was called that, which uh, final monument of the season happens tomorrow on Saturday. Before getting into Andrew's true passion, Gravel World Championships this Sunday in the Veneto. Andrew, do you want to say a quick word about your podcast, Choose the Hard Way, before we get going? Yeah, Choose the Hard Way is a podcast about how hard things build stronger humans who have more fun. Humans like you, come check us out. ChooseTheHardWay.com, at HardwayPod on social. Find us on all listening platforms. Some of my recent guests have been Pete Stutna. I had Tristan Cardew, who you might know as Tristan Take Photo. Tristan take video on uh, YouTube. He has some pretty amazing content about world tour cycling and ultra gravel. Come find us. Come check us out. Choose the hard way. If you're a human, it's a great show for you. You'll like it. Um, Andrew, before we get into gravel worlds, which I am interested to talk about it, or, and then talk about this grand gravel tradition, which is now just very popular of no one knowing anything about the event before it happens. And it may be or may not be being on television. Um, the Yumbo Visma Sudal Quick Step merger that we were all so sure was going to happen, not happening apparently. Uh, I the more that it unfolded, it sounded, and we will have Richard Pluga is coming on the show next week, so we get to grill him about this. I'm very excited for that. But it sounded like Sudal wanted to leave. The company Sudal said, ah, instead of sticking around here, why don't we go over to Yumbo and sponsor them? They're looking for a title sponsor, and Yumbo said that'd be awesome. You should come over. And the way they were going to execute that was basically, I guess, merging the teams, but maybe not merging the teams because Patrick Lefebvre then would get to keep the Sudal Quickstep license and maybe start his own new team from the ground floor with the with the Wolfpack that remained. Apparently, only six riders were going to actually leave Quickstep and go over to Yumbo Visma. It was unclear if Remco was going to be included. But after all that dust settled, we now have Primoz Roglic, who went to Bora, signed, a, I'm sure, a, a handsomely paid deal there. I'm sure Yumbo got a nice check for letting him go. And that's kind of it. Yumbo's going to go ahead as they were without Primoz, and Sudal Quickstep's going to go ahead as they were. It's unclear with or without Rimco. I would guess without Rimco, but that's just a complete guess from me. Where, what are your thoughts? Andrew, you just found out about this like four minutes ago. What, what do you think about it? I mean, I'm not surprised. What I have to wonder is, are we going to see an Enios Yumbo merger or Enios Quick Step? Like, what's going to happen? I don't think that the merger gate is over. Stay tuned. And, mm. you know, my speculation was that Lefebvre was actually going to leave the World Tour to start up a new NCL team. So that may not come <laughs> to fruition. But, you know, that was, that was my suspicion. The I, main reign. The new yeah, team. The, the main rain it's bringing it uh kicking it live here in the mid coast yeah i don't think that this thing is over yet i also want to call out that uh before this was being covered in msm i did say that primos was definitely leaving yumbo like a month ago way before i think it was longer covered. than that i think it was like three months ago you were just yeah, like yeah primos is have. leaving it is known how do you not know this and i was like i've literally heard nothing about this and then He's gone. You called it. He's gone. He's, I called it. Victory lap. Yeah. Impressive. He's off to Bora. I, it's kind of odd at first. You're like, what? what? You've left Yumbo Visma for Bora? 
kind of makes sense though. Boy, well-run team. I think better run than most people realize. They have a lot of um, I, the the most. Uh, I guess the nicest way to put it. I think this is almost overly generous. Someone said to me they have a lot of one B talent. I, I would I would even say maybe two B. But you know they've gotten what they got fourth at the 2019 tour with Emmanuel Bookman, and then they got fourth, I believe, at the 2022 tour with Alexander Vlasov, which no one remembers. But that's a a really good result. The team, they run a tight ship, good performance staff. It's kind of like a proto-Yumbo. Like People now think of Yumbo as the super successful juggernaut. They were once an up-and-coming team that just were kind of picking off interesting riders and you know, had a well-run organization behind the scenes. This makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot more sense than, than Movistar. And if we operate from the assumption that he wants to win the tour this year, or at least race as a leader, he had to leave. I like this. This is better, in my opinion, than Enios. Enios does not. Who goes to Enios and gets better? Like Garrett Thomas has had a good career, Chris Froome, but outside of those original guys, doesn't seem like they actually produce anybody. Like I would say, Luke Plapp has regressed. I'd say Timon Arnsman has regressed. It, I, I wouldn't go there and hope to win a Grand Tour. So I like this move a lot. I'm pumped for Primos. I, I'm pumped for Yumbo because I would guess that they got. Let's just say the buyout, I heard it was two years salary. So that's like 7 million euro. Some nice cash in their pocket. They don't have to pay primos. It's like a $10 million total swing. Maybe that's helping them continue next year without Yumbo as the title sponsor. What happens to Jai Henley is a question that I have because he's still going to want to go after a Giro title. Probably is going to want to give it a swing at the Vuelta, but they need him now to ride in support of primos at the tour. And if I don't think that if he goes for a Giro win that he's going to be full steam at the tour. So is is Jai going to put his ambitions in the backseat to become the super domestique for Primos? Is he happy with that? That's a question that I have because we have to remember before there was GC Coos, there was GC Henley. People really believed for like five <laughs> minutes that he was going to win the tour. Do you remember that, Spencer? Yeah, I think I might have even gotten swept up in that. I don't, yeah, I, I don't I, want I to think, revisit the tapes there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, I think that he probably thinks, I, well, I don't know. Maybe his ambitions were totally crushed after the psychological devastation of his implosion at the 2023 tour. Well, the team tour. put a lot into that. You know, they didn't go to yeah. the Giro. He, he could have podiumed that Giro. Yeah. The team put a lot behind that tour ride. He rode pretty well, got seventh. That might have been, in my opinion, that might have been them saying, we get, we got to get a bigger talent. This just isn't working. For the tour, yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a good point. Like, he, I think he still races the Giro to try to win. And then you hope that he has enough left to to support at the tour. I don't really know what Subcoos's three grand tour season with the wind at the end, if that will change thinking around the fact that a grand tour it seems like the Grand Tours were pretty good for Sepkus in terms of uh, preparing him to win the Vuelta. So maybe they'll think, well, he can go to the Giro and then support Primos at the Tour. I hope. I don't know. That would be sad for Jai Hindley if he's... I can't imagine him being in a support role. Like he, This guy has won a Grand Tour in the last 24 months. There's no way that he's just going to be a career domestique, I'd imagine. Probably not. Probably wouldn't be happy with that. And if I'm Jai Henley, I'm thinking of the words of Poison's Brett Michaels right now. Every rose has its thorn, just like every <laughs> night has its dawn. It's like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. <laughs> 
I'm sure. I'm sure you've pulled that right <laughs> out of his brain. Um, Primos is old. He's what 33 going on 34. I'm I almost feel like he's underrated though. Like this it, it's a big signing for Bora. It's being sold as that. I almost think it's bigger than it's being sold as. This guy won what he won every race he entered except for the Vuelta, which he got third in and his teammate won. And then he didn't win the last race that happened, the the most recent Italian semi-classic. And that's it. I mean, that's an unbelievably unbelievable hit rate. I don't even think Rimco Evnopol can match that. This guy's really good. He is getting older. Let's say they have him for two years until he's 35. I like this for Bora a lot. Like I, I think they've needed a top-tier talent for a while since Sagan left. They've done really well with what they have. I think this is a, a massive coup for them. Andrew, where is Remco Evenepoel going? Is he staying at Sudal Quickstep? I don't, I frankly don't see how this, he can at this point after everything that's happened. It's hard to believe. And I think that there's more to come. I still could see him going to Enios. I mean, I know they've denied it and all but said this is absolutely not happening. But transfer season is not over yet. We're at October 6th. It will continue to unfold. And I don't believe that he will be a quick step in 2024. The question of where does he land is, is, uh, is certainly a tricky one. I'm just going to throw something wild out there. I don't think it would lead to him winning the tour, but does he perhaps go to EF? <laughs> You're the second person today to say that to me. Um, well, we, I, I don't even know how much I can say. I, I've spoken to someone who spoke to someone very near and dear to Remco and I think um, they said that he was going to follow his heart. Maybe that's what they meant. Maybe it's EF. He's taking a massive pay cut. The guy's making 100 grand a year. He's going to race for EF and he's going to be a social media sensation. I, I do think it's interesting you mentioned the Sudal Quickstep Ineos merger. If, if, the, if you're old enough, you remember when that was the merger that was supposed to happen. Ineos still doesn't have anybody under contract. Like, what's the move here? Uh, what, do, what do they do? Are they planning on a merger? I, I, I've also heard, I've heard a lot of things in the last few days that, ha- that are not true, but I heard that he has a contract with Ineos that they're just going to sign on the 19th, October 19th. Um, there's some trigger date there where um, if you're on a team that doesn't have all its ducks in a row for the next season, basically, you, don't, you can't prove your funding, that you're free to leave. Potentially, that's complicated by the fact that Sudal appears to be back as a sponsor. When they, when they were going to Yumbo, the thinking was, well, Quickstep won't be able to prove they're financially viable for next year by the 19th. Rimco will just sign that contract. Boomy's on Ineos. Now, maybe Ineos will have to buy him out of that contract. But, man, I don't know. It's, if, if he didn't like Sudal Quickstep before, it doesn't seem like a, a more uh, stacked or stable team i even heard that van wilder elon van wilder's leaving who's like one of his key support riders in the mountains so uh yeah i think there's there's a bit more to be written here i don't know if it's ef i would be shocked uh, but i would applaud it you know you, you've when you have a chance to go be a social media sensation you have to do it yeah i think the most likely outcome is he's going to go to Enios, and you just highlighted how that's likely to come true. We kind of skipped past this. If we're to take a look at Yumbo 2024, as we talked about the last time that we gathered in the sacred space, Spencer, <laughs> now that Kuz has, has had a taste of the good stuff, is he really going to go back to being a super domestique 
when needed. And is he going to feel good about that? And I think the other superordinate question to be considered here is, you know, are we going to see Wout riding in the same manner with the same level of dedication, specifically at the tour for Yumbo, or is he kind of sick of it is a question that I would have. We know he likes the money, but does he like the grind? Um, God, I don't know. Well, his, his, his coach is gone. And I, I hesitate to even mention this because I don't think it's going to matter at all. But it, Primo's is stealing Wout's coach, taking Nabora. I don't, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of Wout not succeeding this year is on Wout. And I love the man, my favorite writer. I, I don't want this to seem like I'm being overly critical, but he could have been supporting the tour and won a lot of stages. A lot of that was just on him. I think he can still support and win. If he uh, just comes out a little refreshed, a little renewed next year, I mean, this is by far the worst year of his career so far. It's not even close. But as far as Sep, man, I imagine he's going to be leading the team at, at some of the non-tour Grand Tours. If Primos isn't there, you'd have to think that, I mean, he's a very realistic person. You, you have to imagine, like, Jonas, Jonas is the uh, most talented and most dominant Grand Tour racer in the world. I'm his teammate. I'm I'm at least one B. Maybe maybe they're not saying he's a domestique. Maybe they're keeping him in reserve. But you're right that that does change things. Like he did a lot of work for those guys throughout the years. I think it's a valid question to ask: Is he going to go back to setting pace in the last three K of a climb? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. Now, now you're sowing doubt in my mind, Andrew. What will become of Jumbo Visma next year? I also wonder. Entering the tour, will it be a let the road decide a Jumbo Visma? Between no. Sepp and Jonas, that like, would be hilarious. hey. The road always de- the road always decides. <laughs> it, How dare you? The road will <laughs> always decide. But I mean, like, think about it. They don't have the the one two three punch anymore. That is really what helps them destroy the competition. So well, I, I guess mean, Primos wasn't there this year. At the he was there. In, that he, was would, there in, he was there in spirit. There's no way they're doing the the road decides. That would be if they got themselves in the exact same pickle. That would be hilarious. Um, I'd imagine Sep's not going to be it, and that's the, like I would love to see it him try, but I have to imagine Sep Kuss is not going to be allowed in any more breakaways like that. You know, once you've proven that you can win a three week race, I think teams would would probably sell out to close that down. Um, so probably won't be an issue for Yumbo. But I mean, you're bringing up decent points about yeah what. How do they kind of put the toothpaste back in the tube here? Or or is this just change forever? The team's definitely weaker without Primos. Like that that's a big blow. As you say, you know, jokingly, he was there in spirit, but the guy kind of set the tone for the team. I think he's their longest tenured writer, or maybe Robert Hessink is, but longest tenured leader. The guy just wins all the time. Yeah, that they are gonna miss him when he's gone. Do you want to jump over to Gravel World Champions? Yeah, let's get out of Oh, and by the way, we should mention. Big yeah, race on Saturday with uh, Primo's. We get to see him. He's going to be riding for Yumbo, the team yeah. he's not contracted to race for any longer, Tade and Remco. Um, I, I have a prediction show coming out later today on outcomes. I, this is also a race that's very hard to predict. I think it's going to be those three guys duking it out. I'm very excited to watch it. Oh, I've got a hot take here, Spencer. Okay, what's that? Uh, I think that... The names you just mentioned, we're going to have a Galactico cancellation. The Galacticos will cancel each other out somehow, even though it's improbable. The two riders I think people should have an eye on that they might not be thinking about right now, Ben Healy. Ben Healy is a Galactico in the wings. He's on deck. 
could be the this be the moment when he steps fully into their ranks. I know he's not a Grand Tour contender, but had some outstanding performances this year. Probably would like to conclude the season with a big bang before his EF contract gets bought out and he goes to Enios. So I'm thinking yeah, that's definitely <laughs> happening, by the way. Yeah. So I'm thinking Ben Healy. And then I've got my eye on Ghana as well. No, <laughs> you've overstepped. You've overstepped, <laughs> sir. I, I am the president of the Fleet Ghana fan club. There's no way. I was just looking at the climbs. This, thing, this race is so hard. I, I would love to see it, but that's hard for me. I, don't, I might have to. This, I this feel is, weird even being party to someone who said that. But I, Ben Ely, that's kind of interesting. I was thinking about, I, at, at first thought, I'm thinking, well, when Remco goes Remco, Really, it's just Roglic and Pogacar who can stay with him. But God, Ben Healy is—he's good, and he—he's been yeah, very he strong it. lately. He's legit. He's legit. I mean, we might see HC Ghana out there. You know, you're a doubter. I'm going to forgive you for that. But uh, we've seen his transformation this year, so keep an eye on him. Ben Healy, the more probable. And what i'm oh, really God. interested to see is yeah. does remco just do his thing that he was doing at the Volta, where he is he just gonna sit on the front for like two hours and just right. try to ride everyone <laughs> off his wheel like i i'm really curious to see what happens there yeah i'm curious as well and again jumping over to uh jumping over to the gravel world champion across the something... country, across the north of italy yeah. we're now in Here's... the veneto yeah speaking of remco Part of the reason that Remco was able to win Worlds in Australia was because of Quentin Ermans, and he will be on the start line for the Gravel World Championship. Wout, of course, has to be the favorite. Uh, Mate Mahorich also, you know, I think those are probably your top two favorites, but Quentin Ermans has caught my eye, and I'm wondering, I have seen no reports about this. I assume that Matthew Vanderpool would show up just to salt Wout's wounds and um, have one more go at him in his season of being Mr. Second Place, but I did not see him on the start list. Do you know anything of about his whereabouts? Oh, you're right. He's not on the start list. I swear I read that he was going to this race. Um, I've, been, I've been saying that he's going to the race for the past four or five months. I still assume he's going to show up and that he's just not on the start list yet. But he uh, is currently not starting the race. Still think he'll be there. I mean, I also know someone who's at this race who's not on the start list. So I yeah. know for a fact that there's discrepancies in the start list. I, now that you mentioned it, though, I did. He did like prematurely end his season. So I I read that thinking injury? he meant he meant road, but I think he was like. Uh, I don't know. I don't, even, I don't even want to say this. He looked a little partied out, in my opinion, the last time I, I saw him. He might have just been uh, thinking, I want to go celebrate this world championship. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, thought that he meant, I thought that meant he wasn't racing on the road anymore and he was going to do this. Uh, it's a little disappointing that he's not here. Um, didn't his Alpecin, his Alpecin teammate won it last year, right? Johnny Vermeesh? As you said about Lombardia, I do kind of wonder if we get a Galactico cancellation here again. Yeah. And we get like someone like Vermeesh or like Matty Motoric. Like it's actually crazy how good the start list is. Also, you see Cameron Mason, our guy, is on yeah, here. Cameron Mason. Yeah. To That's your point, exciting. though, about these start lists being inaccurate, I know Cameron's going to be there because he's been 
using the social media to let us know that he's there. We also can rest assured that Keegan Swenson and Alexi Vermeulen will be there. And I've seen several mustaches in photography of the United <laughs> States team. So we've got Payson McElveen and Tobin Ordenblad will be there. However, I did interview Alexis Scarda for Choose the Hard Way yesterday, who is the current cross-country marathon national champion here in the United States and has a number of podium placings in the Lifetime Grand Prix here in 2023. She is on the start list, and I can assure you that she is not currently in Italy. Uh, a lot of these gravel riders have a very packed September-October schedule. They have Big Sugar coming up in uh, two weeks from Sunday. So some of the riders are actually skipping the race who are listed as starting. I'm actually surprised there's as many American riders here as there is considering it sounds ridiculous, right? To say, well, you got to focus on big sugar over world champs, but you're Keegan Swenson. Isn't big sugar more important? I mean, well, I, I guess if you, he's already, he's already locked up the lifetime grand prix. I think he just has to show up and he wins okay, the overall. Okay the overall series. So I don't think he's worried about that. But looking at the start list, the thing that really jumped out at me is, as we know, in other world championships or in the Olympics in particular, typically teams are only allocated a certain number of entrants. However, I'm trying to find the start list with the breakdown by country because I don't think this is an exaggeration. I think there are 15 plus riders from both the Netherlands and Italy and both the men's and women's races. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like I, a total free for all. It's yeah. Crazy. I think, I think there are 235 riders in the, is that right? Yeah. There are 224 riders currently listed as starting the elite men's race, which is bananas. And if you have seen the course preview, Keegan Swenson, Alexi Vermeulen, other riders have been showing some chunks of the course on social media Bellows Betsy Welch is on the ground there and did a course preview as well. This it's not a typical American gravel route. There's a lot of debate about, you know, is this is this fitting of a world championship? It is 50% paved surfaces. However, that pavement is interspersed with a lot of goat paths, double track, single track, very sharp ups and downs, 8,000, more than 8,000 feet of climbing. And they do grid the start and they very quickly are on to very narrow roads. So the start of this race and the outcome will be much like a professional cyclocross race. I mean, I think if you're not in the first two or three rows, I think that you're going to miss the winning move because it's going to go almost right away. I think there will be separation. And I think once that move goes, which is going to happen extremely earlier in the race, I don't think it's going to come back just because of the the narrowness of the course and the technical nature of the terrain. Yeah. So we should mention it's 170 K. So what's that like? One, yeah. 106, 106 miles, 8,000 yeah. feet of climbing. So pretty hard, but that is, I mean, for these, like someone like Keegan, that's like a, that's a sprint race. That's so much shorter totally. than, and it's going to be fast, like an explosive race. I mean, what's going to happen is anyone who's ever done a crit will know people are going to line up forever. And then it's going to be like, Wow, Van Art, and he's going to get a call up and go to the front. Like, it's, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, like all these road guys are going to get called up because I guarantee you they said like I'm only coming to this if I get a call up. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I'm actually a little like blown away by how deep the field is. It's probably going to be two over 230 riders, and 
you had to qualify for this, right? So there's presumably no allegedly. real bad. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand what the qualification was because yeah, there, like I said, 15 plus writers from some countries. It, yeah. It's, it's going to be nuclear from the start. I, I do kind of worry that that's going to be all she wrote for the Americans. I don't really know what their grid location is. Um, and also bad news. If you wanted to watch this, I don't believe it's currently on television in the United States. I think they just decided like two days ago to broadcast it at all. Um, GCN picked up the rights in Europe. Maybe by tomorrow morning or Sunday morning, they will have secured the US rights. But currently, you're going to have to use a VPN on GCN, uh, broadcast it from the UK if you want to watch this. Enjoy it while you can before GCN gets snapped up by someone else who will be able to block VPNs, which is well, what's, what's going to happen right? with that is GCN doesn't own. I think GCN leases those rights from Eurosport, mm. their parent. Yeah. So when GCN is sold, allegedly this is happening. It will just be like the YouTube archive, the website in the app, and then Discovery, who owns Eurosport, will still hold those race rights. And Got then it. they will just start airing the races on Discovery Plus. So we'll all have to sign up for Discovery Plus and pay like, you know, a ton of money, whatever that costs. Basically a service that none of us would ever want to sign up to. Yeah. We will have to sign up to. I'm still trying to figure out why I have a Flow Sports subscription. Oh, I, and you're never I, getting I rid of it. <laughs> it's never going. <laughs> yeah. Just like because there's always that one race I need that's only on Flow Sports. I think Worlds right. is only on Flow Sports. Yeah. Maybe I, it, I swear maybe I it, canceled my Flow Sports too, but I still have it. Yeah. I still have it as well. Maybe it's UCI Cyclocross or. I forget what the alternate cyclocross series. Yeah, I'm still one of those people that watches professional cyclocross racing. I'm still <laughs> you're the guy. I'm the guy. I have to say, I know I'm I'm going a bit off topic here, but I did. I was watching the Charm City UCI C2 Pro Cyclocross race that was uh, in Baltimore. I don't know if it was last weekend or the weekend before. In the past few seasons, coverage of U.S. cyclocross races has gotten much better. I don't know what happened with that one. They they didn't have Jeremy Powers commentating. I don't know if he's not doing it this season, maybe just focused on other things. But they uh they do have the drone again, which I think was a big improvement in coverage, but they're combining the drone with just like a really long 100x zoom lens that you know, it's like the classic USA cycling, one guy with the tripod panning, falling <laughs> around. I'm, I was just like, why is this why is this on here? Come on, you're teasing me. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So what do you think is going to go down in this race and what will be the right uh, tire selection? I mean, it's a kind of a clutch well, question. Oh God. Yeah. Me. Uh, yeah. I'm just, God, I'm the tire guy. People know around town. It's like, man, Spencer, he's just always crunching tires. <laughs> he's got the file treads. He's got the, the knoblies. He knows them. Um, man, I don't know. I would probably, I imagine it's, it sounds crazy to say. I, I haven't ridden the course. I have no idea what the course is. But you see a lot of the top people on slicks because with the road, as you say, it's so much road. Yeah. You're going to lose a lot of speed if you're on, if you have any type of grip on those tires. I believe last year was like, I think it was a lot of guys on like 32 millimeter slick tires, right? Or am I Don't try this at home. Yeah, you're correct. Don't try this at home. It's not the move for you. If you're listening, you think you can do that, you can't. (laughs) You cannot. I mean, yeah, if they're running 28s at Roubaix, in some ways, a lot of this is more mild than Roubaix. You know, it is looser, so maybe you do want to go wider. But 
Yet these guys can run such uh, tiny, tiny tires on terrain that I would need like a 45 mil- millimeter tire width on. Yeah. And they can fly. Uh, I mean, it's going to break up so early. Like, what? how do you think this is going to play out? Yeah, I seriously think it starts, Wout creates some kind of separation within the first 10K. A group of probably five people goes off the front and then he wins the race. That's my prediction. I would like to see that happen. I kind of wonder if it's, if your original guy, Quentin Hermans, you know, like if he gets up the road, yeah. is there gridlock behind and we see someone like that? Obviously, very good rider, like borderline yeah. Galactico talent, but not as famous or, um, you know, marked out as Matty Motoric or Wout Van Art. Having said that, I wouldn't be shocked. If, if Matty Motoric wins this race, uh, I'm not shocked at all. I mean, how do you think the US guys are going to do compared to, like the eventual winner. Honestly, I think it completely depends on where they are on the grid because I think once this race goes, it's going to be extremely difficult to move through the pack if it's possible at all. <clears throat> also, given it's a very sinuous course and given the number of turns and surface transitions, there will be a lot of wrecks and mechanicals, I would anticipate. And anytime that happens, it's just going to amplify the accordion effect. And if you're stuck behind that, you're not going to have a good day. My surefire prediction is you're not going to be able to tell what is going on when you tune in. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Now, where are we? What is this? What group is this? Yeah. It's going to be a complete uh, botched production job. That's for sure. Yeah, this is probably going to be evocative of the attempt to cover Unbound from beginning to end that happened. I think that was two or three seasons ago, it, it just didn't go very well. Or the Sea Otter 80-mile cross-country race, they had just a lot of static shots of dust clouds, you know? Yeah, and I was watching the European Gravel Championships last weekend. It just like it was a lot of like drones and forest is what it seemed like. It, it was not very easy to tell what was going on. I mean, this is kind of, I guess, I would say this is a big race for Keegan, but I don't really know how much Keegan really cares. But at least as far as Keegan's perception, because he's so much better than everyone in American gravel racing. Right. Like, well, I guess recently he has been getting beaten, but at the hardest events, like the, I guess the, the biggest kilojoule events, I mean, he is absolutely untouchable. So then this is like our thought experiment come to life. What if you took a top gravel racer and put them against the top road racers, how would they stack up? So in that respect, I am quite curious, as you say, it probably will come down to start position and it might not be the duel that I really want to see happen. Yeah. I, I think that if this were a 150 or 200 mile race, I would be bullish on Keegan again, not knowing where he is on the grid and thinking about his appearance at the road world championships in 2022, which I think it's, I think this race is more analogous to that race than it is to American gravel racing. That kind of influences how I think about the outcome. His take on the course is that it's very similar to a BWR course. And I guess the fact that they kind of didn't really find out entirely what the course was until this week really is somewhat similar to the BWR experience as well. Yeah. So fast. I mean, the thing is this, if it's, let's say this is 106 miles, they're going to do this in like sub four hours, potentially, but they're going to be cooking on this course. And that's like half the distance or half the length of a race that Keegan 
has been doing well in this year. Yeah, it's right. almost like a fundamentally different race for him. So, but I'm still curious to see how he does. I mean, as far as raw talent, these guys, some of these guys are as good as it gets. You know, like Wout Van Art, how many people could realistically stay with him when he wants to go hard on this course? Like even Cameron Mason, who's one of the world's best cross racers, is probably going to be outgunned in that situation. So, I don't know. Maybe Keegan will do really well, but this is going to be such an, it might even be like shocking to him how much deeper and better the field is than, uh, than back home. I mean, I don't even know if I believe this, but some people will say like, yeah, you go race in Europe. It's not harder. There's just more people that are good. Um, I I would argue like, yeah, probably winning a tour stage is harder than winning a stage at tour of the Gila. But there is something you said for the fact that like instead of five riders that are really, really good, there's going to be like 105 that are really, really good. That could be a little overwhelming. Yeah. And the battle for position, I think, is pretty similar to what you might see at something like a BWR race, but the train is much tighter. And I think it, the selection is going to happen immediately at BWR San Diego, which is their marquee event. I think they start they start out with several miles uh, and then they hit a very long sustained climb where it becomes kind of a watts per kilo contest before they then have the culling of the herd and enter single track. And this event, from what I've read from firsthand reports, it starts, I believe there's a climb and I think they're on super narrow roads almost immediately. So again, if you're not gridded in a spot that's favorable to you, I think your race is pretty much over once it starts. I just don't see people effectively picking their way through this field with the quality of the field. Does it start on, on gravel or road? That's why I can't quite figure out. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And we're not supposed to know. No one's supposed to know until it happens. Speaking of ambiguity, gravel, knowing no, no one knows what's going on. You've, you've mounted the tires for BWR Lawrence next weekend. What, what are you going with? Or is this top secret information? Uh, the tires went on. I am running Specialized Pathfinder Pro 42s. It's not the S-Works model. The 42 is supposed to have greater puncture resistance. I don't entirely know what the quality of the road surfaces will be that we're riding on. I have confirmed that 95% of our event will be on-road, off-road surfaces. So it seems like that's probably the move, Spencer. And you know, I don't know if Clinton Lake is in the wafer, the event that we're doing, the 83-mile event, or not. But I did see footage in their promo hype video of riders crossing the dam out there at Clinton Lake and some very rocky single tracks. So I'm just rolling the dice that, you know, this aerodynamic disadvantage that I'm going to encounter will be worth it for those moments once we get into the rough stuff. What about you? Or what are you sticking with factory rubber or what are you going with? I have like the heaviest tires known to man currently on my gravel bike. The Maxxis, Maxxis something, something. Maxxis weigh 5,000 pounds. This must be the mm-hmm. model. I think I'm going over to the Schwabel all road 45. Um, okay. Just because yeah, maybe I'm shaken, but man, growing up in that area, the gravel roads are, they're not almost not gravel. Just they might they might as well just call them rocks. Right. Series of rocks laid on top of each other road. So just a going down if you have a little wider tire could be faster. Yeah, I'm banking on the fact that what we saw in the video 
was Perry Lake, not Clinton Lake. Oh, that, you're right. Perry Lake does have the dam. I have misspoken. Right. And I think that only the longer distance goes up there. And I think the single track that we saw in that video is maybe not in the course this year because it was, um, it might have been a victim of the dispute between BWR and Sunflower because I think that is land that's owned by Matt Gilhausen who owns Sunflower. And this is all conjecture. Do not quote me on any of this. Don't sue me, uh, Sunflower, please. Yeah. Well, I, it's still, you know, we're still likely facing some river trail single track i would think on the the right yeah there's the mile town. i don't know rock garden you'll be fine i think you'll be fine on afford you the only thing about the river trail is i think you go through the sarlacc pit which is basically <laughs> a, a beach and like the and i was a much worse writer when i did it the first time i i think i had to walk through it so hopefully it's okay, in a perfect. little firmer uh position now than it was back then i did also see it's supposed to rain on friday before the event if that happens I might be out there handing up bottles, Andrew. I don't know if I'm in for a 70-mile uh, run-walk through yeah. mud that's unrideable. Well, I mean, if it does rain a significant amount, then 38s would actually be the way to go. But you Because know, you pick up um, less mud? Is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, you just have more space between your tires and oh, your God. frame or yeah. fork. Jeez. Oh, we're back to this yeah. game. Yeah, I don't I don't really want to have one of those kinds of days, but that's why we do this stuff, I think, maybe. I'm hoping for a nice, fast, dry course, and they say, actually, you know, the river trails, that didn't work out. We're just staying on the levee. Um, that would be my dream, but yeah, we're probably going to the river trails. If Those are fast single track. That's fast single track, though. It's I uh, think I did that with like my five and six-year-old niece and nephew the last time I was in town. So it is rideable by people with less than professional skill. Yeah, real Dagobah system vibes out there in the river trail. I think a lot of people fresh off fish tour making grilled cheese on the side of the trail, like the whole it, deal. Yeah, yes. I was just going to mention that. it's uh, if, you, if you get in trouble, the, there will be people of the forest there to help you. We will let you go. You have a busy day. Industries to disrupt, tea times to make. But thank you for joining us, Andrew, and we will uh, we'll talk soon. We've got a big slate coming up. We've got Pluga next week. We've got BWR. We might have Dan Hughes. Um, woo! Dan, I hope I didn't speak too soon on that, but I think we can lock him down. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. 